0: Can you just imagine a tiny robot with a with a with a Q-tip? I mean, you know.
1: I mean, I would watch <laughs> that movie. If, I would if they animated and shit. We would we would make some money. Yeah, I mean, somebody get Pixar on the phone immediately. <laughs>
0: Hey there, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I am TM. And I am KJ. And this is a little potty-potty podcast we like to call The Junk Drawer. How
1: do I feel about a potty podcast? That feels... Well, it flows. So, like, I get that. But it also feels a little bit like we're going to be teaching, like, a lesson on, like, potty training. Which...
0: Ooh, you would
1: that way. I would like, loosely qualified to do... Yeah. Is it a dog or a person? That changes it actually.
0: I was I thought you were headed in the like people who are here for oh, body kink stuff. Man. So yeah. Yeah, in very yeah. Very
1: different so, points in our life journeys. <laughs> That's what that tells me, where I'm just like, Yeah, oh yes, dogs and perhaps oh, children. And I'm like, Oh who yes, have to be potted, right? mm and then you're just like people like to get peed on sometimes And i'm just like okay
0: okay yeah. i never ever ever want to be the person that brings into the conversation that sometimes people like to get peed on but in this instance i'll take it it's okay i was sorry for a second sorry. Deborah, where
1: you were going to be like i never ever want to be peed on and i was just like well it's good, good to know but also like I mean we'll take it offline, we'll talk about it uh in other yeah. circumstances, but like you know right. No shame in anyone's game is what I'm getting at.
0: We're not we're not yucking anybody's yum here, but like I'm good with my urine, you be good with yours.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like that's that's a you thing. Yeah. Um indeed. Who so you're kicking us off today. What do you have for us? I am. Oh well it's not it's not kink stuff, believe it or not. Thank goodness. Um,
0: Right, I know. We we should put a rating. We should put an age rating on this episode.
1: Yeah, I mean we have to now. So we are. I already just to be safe, check the like explicit yeah. box. Just fantastic. Getting it out of the way. Who knows what's going to come out of my mouth? Um, I I certainly I, don't. Um, but you know, I, better safe. I felt, than felt sorry. instant. Yeah, I felt instant regret recently
0: when uh, we were recording an episode and I I dropped the f bomb a couple of times. I was like, oh, does that need to be edited? Yeah. Nah, I like keep it. it
1: in there. I kept it in. Well, let's get on with I it. I think I did it first in the last episode, so.
0: Well, high fives for bad language. Yeah,
1: I'm an adult. I'm going to say what I want to. You're not the boss. <laughs> you know what? This is called this is called the Junk Drawer Podcast subtitle. We're adults. We're going to freaking say what we freaking want to. Yeah, f- freaking, because adults. Yeah. Potty talk is what my nephew calls that. So we've come full circle. The, the we potty talk. that. Pony talk podcast. That's not what this is. I need to make that abundantly clear. I don't know. That seems to be where it's headed, so if you if well, you pull out like, an article right now and it has yeah, anything to do with yeah. like bad words or like mm-hmm. bathroom discussions, I I'm I'm leaving.
0: You should. Yeah. Um, and I would follow. Okay. But no. <laughs> We're not going in that direction. Actually, um, as, as a cultured reader over here, uh, which is absolutely a lie. Um, but as I mentioned before, I do have a wonderful Apple, <laughs> Apple plus, I guess, subscription that gives me access to all these magazines Humble and all of these brag. publications. Humble brag team. Um, but the New Yorker is one such publication I have access to. And, uh, a few weeks back, uh, there was an article in The New Yorker, and it was titled, Are You the Same Person You Used to Be? Oh, Lord. And so, uh, uh, yeah, right, I know. I mean, figurative question, literal question, who knows, right? Um, and I will tell you, I will warn the reader, the listener, one and the same, that if you go searching for this article, you will find a lengthy piece that um, but I found it very interesting to read and kept my attention the whole time. But I'll give you a summary here. Yeah. So, are you the same person you used to be? And I mean, that's kind of subjective and loaded. Um, but I'll give you some insight. So the summary of the article um, is that it covers, you know, a good amount of material about how we perceive ourselves. How much nature versus nurture contributes to who we are currently and how we identify And it even goes uh, further into the concept of becoming so wildly different from your past that it could even make sense for you to change your name throughout your life, Hmm. which I found very interesting. (laughs) So this article kind of goes on to talk at length about the numerous research studies and documentaries done both here in America, in the UK, and even New Zealand um, that are about age study and uh, whether or not we can predict things like our demeanors, our careers, or even um, our levels of success or happiness in our future adult selves. Interesting. Okay. Pretty interesting research. Um, I'm not going to go into it like the article does. Um, Feel free to do your own research, team. Um, But it does, uh, this article does even cover interesting topics like uh, uh, it mentions the famous Bolger brothers. So as we know, the younger brother William as a Massachusetts state senator uh, and we certainly know his older brother James commonly known as Whitey Bulger mm. as the Boston organized crime boss yeah and the interesting story about that is those two guys grew up in the same bedroom they shared a bedroom growing up um, and when we talk about the concept of nature versus nurture um, essentially they had identical experiences one could argue um, identical upbringings identical nutrition identical exposure to trauma um and it's very interesting how the the two different lives of those brothers sort of headed in two different directions
1: you know yeah for sure and and i you you had mentioned sort of predicting the direction that your life goes as you grow up and and grow old and and things and i had a friend who worked at a nursing home and she used to say that, especially, like, you know, if you're, like, kind of losing it a little bit upstairs, the person that you become is the exact opposite of the person that you used to be. So, for me, oh. like, as somebody who's generally, you <clears throat> very loud, but relatively mm-hmm. kind, I, I think, for the most part. One would probably describe me as kind. Um, if I were to, you know, develop, like... Alzheimer's or dementia or something at a certain point, as that starts to take over, you you then flip, and you become aggressive and mean. But if they were really aggressive and kind of mean throughout their life, and then they got these diseases, they become like kind, soft little baby angels. So that was really that interesting. Wild, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, had I not been so terrified before. <laughs> To develop Alzheimer's <laughs> or dementia now, goodness. The goodness is you won't be a, really aware
1: up. of any of it. So I mean, if y- if there's a silver know? lining, yeah. that's, that's probably it. <laughs> so what what's the what's the takeaway? Of, of this so
0: article? the takeaway
1: here is it 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 urges you
0: to form an opinion, or at least to sort of get your mind going on where you land in all of this research, where you land with the, the the title of the article, right? So are you the same person that you used to be? For us to be able to answer that, we really have to look at who we perceives perceive ourselves to have been in the past. And this is the participation time for my article. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so do this. Do this for me. Think about... Eight-year-old KJ. Oh, boy. Right? hmm And tell me about them, right? So what did you like to do? Did you have friends? Uh, what did you think about yourself at the time? Eight-year-old
1: KJ. What grade is that? That's like second or third grade, probably?
0: Oh, that's like so, yeah,
1: Yeah, like, we'll guess so. uh, Soccer. I played soccer. And that was probably 90% of my identity. Um I have two older brothers, so there's a lot of whatever they were doing I was doing so video games we're talking like the early nineties so uh Mario mm-hmm. maybe a, maybe a little bit of Atari in there um Ooh. like a like an anxious little bear, but uh vivacious and screamy very screamy, I would say. Screaming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I have a problem even today of, of controlling my own volume. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine. So wonder you're a podcaster. Yeah. Like uh, so I imagine as an uh, an eight year old, it would have been like a like a screamy anxiety, which is probably why my mom was like, "You're going to be playing sports. <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: something Do with anything. this
1: energy. Yes.
0: <laughs> Please." You know, Michael Phelps has a similar story. Yeah. I think in an article. Yeah. In an article, I read that he had gotten an ADD or an ADHD diagnosis. And instead of medicating him, his mom was like, you're going to do something. And that something just turned out to be swimming.
1: Fortunate. Made the right call. I was also... uh, Right? uh, um, Because I had older brothers um, who were... You know, I had friends and stuff, but like, you know, you spend the most time with your siblings... I was like the hardest tomboy. Like an aggressively was... tomboy tomboy.
0: Mm. What makes a tomboy aggressive? Uh, apologies, I didn't mean to speak over you. I was actually muting to take a drink. But say more.
1: What makes a tomboy aggressive? Um, uh, shirts that are too big because they're, you know, hand-me-downs from your older brothers. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. Sort of the backwards cap um always the backwards scare. it's i mean yeah. art, one could argue it's indicative of my future direction as like a very butch uh lesbian but um yeah you know sloppy chucks um constantly mm. injured cuz you're you're participating in the you know the sort of more rough and tumble things that your older siblings were doing as opposed to Things that were probably, a I broke myself a lot. I was, I had a broken arm, but essentially the entirety of elementary school. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Same arm or just like switch? Same arm three times. You know, I have a tool for every occasion in my garage.
0: I was about to say you, you have a lot of woodworking
1: yeah. tools. There is that. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I am a very amateur woodworker. Yes. Love that. Um,
0: okay. All right. Um, well, it's just, a, you know, the article just gives us an opportunity to, to do exercises like that and sort of think about where we were, where we're at now, what's happened in between, what's shaped us to become the people that we are. And the article does bring up something interesting, which I thought um, certainly happened to me growing up, which makes this activity that we just went through kind of not difficult, but just unreliable. Mm-hmm. So the article talks about something called the fallibility of memory. Hmm. which essentially is just our uh, memory's ability to just get things wrong or fill in gaps um, where we may not recall details as clearly uh, as we did when they were happening. So for me, yeah, right? I know. So the whole activity is just so subjective in that, like, I want to tell you that I was a fun and and exciting and daredevil kid, um, because that's what I remember being. When in reality, I think I'm almost positive now that that's who I wanted to be as a kid. Because I very often remember uncles and aunts and even my grandparents sort of regarding me as this fragile little thing. I remember sort of adopting that as an identity. So if I'm so fragile or if I'm so small, then I need to act fragile and be small. And so it really, de- I know, it really depends on who is asking the question and at what time. And honestly, for me, I always look through things through the lens of like, why do you want to know this information? It's a, <laughs> it's, a it's a, survival trait. It's a trauma thing, right? Um, because I would hate to sit down and tell the wrong person that I was small and I was weak and I was fragile as a kid uh, in fear that they would think that I'm the exact same person now, which is a real cool twist on... Are you the same person that you used to be? My answer is God, I hope not. (laughs) I hope not.
1: I also, I don't want to turn this too much into like a therapy podcast, but I I would like to raise the following scenario to you. Um, Yeah. Feeble, small, weak. um, uh, One could surmise, perhaps, that uh, you felt brave inside. Because you mm. were in situations where the version of brave that you needed to be was just brave enough.
0: Uh, wow.
1: I mean, perhaps. Yeah.
0: Perhaps. We'll I that. Also, yeah. Well, again, I'll I'll bring that to therapy tomorrow. <laughs> um, I appreciate appreciate You're that, welcome. but yeah, I mean, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, I just love that this article sort of gave me a jumping off point to even think about who I was, who I am, um, in that fashion. And I do love the part about evolving so much in your life that you would go by a different name in different parts of your life, in different levels of your life, different ages. I mean, I certainly, I go by TM. That's not my government name. Uh, certainly not the name that people called me growing up. Um, but I do feel like it's very fitting now, Mm -hmm. and it does give a good juxtaposition uh, against, like, who, and I don't want to say my government name out loud, but (laughs) (laughs) um, who I was when I was little, who was also somebody who went by different pronouns, Mm -hmm. you know? So the evolution of me from this tiny little fragile little thing um, is a story that is definitely worth my time to unravel and understand better so that when I show up Authentically in spaces, I'm 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 showing up as exactly who I am, even if that person stays for today, or if I continue being me into the future.
1: Uh, so not to change the tone too much, but I I, I um there's, this is a good week for science. There were so many mm. like there was like some we could be talking about dinosaurs right now. So there's just like there was a bunch of fossil eggs that were just found um some of them were like eggs within eggs there was this whole like group of titanosaur uh eggs and fossils found it it just it changes so many things and um i mean you know how we feel about dinosaurs so um but no instead i'm gonna focus on just you know more interesting kind of science science for the people um yes so there's a drone okay uh that collects dna from swaying tree branches and what is it that <laughs> why do you need this <laughs> uh so if you're talking about you know like a imagine a rainforest let's say um mm. you know the, the big one in the amazon uh the amazon one um so understanding the biodiversity of forests is really crucial to conservation and restoration and just kind of getting a feel for what types of animals are up there and what types of of animals are kind of living in these particular areas. We can't always see them. So this I don't I don't you know I don't want to see most of them to be honest. I mean probably not, but some of them are really cute. So and one could argue that knowing what's around is, like, really beneficial for, like, the ecosystem. Like, if there's suddenly a lot less tigers and bears and shit, then you know that there's mm-hmm. going to be an abundance of, like, deer and rabbits because they're not being hunted. And, you know, so it's just – it's it's about balance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, they've been doing this for a while where they – kind of collect this external DNA um, left behind by animals is a good way to find out, you know, again, kind of who lives there without having to see them or, like, be there at the same time or, like, you know, have them know that there are people sort of in their space. Mm. Um, so this drone from Swiss researchers makes taking samples from the tree limbs safer for both the humans and the animals and also easier. So if we're talking about DNA, obviously we're talking about hair, dead skin, feathers, waste, kind of fluids in general. Um, things like mm. that can be found in soil, water, or on surfaces like rocks and tree branches. Basically anywhere an animal might hang out, it leaves a trace of itself, and now we can detect that. So essentially now we're going to be able to like map specifically where animals are how things like global warming and forest fires and things are affecting their um environments and you know for i I live in a place where wolves are a big thing and um you know being able to track where the wolves are how many wolves are in the pack these are endangered species is really really important um so forever, they've been able to just go and like, oh, well, I'm gonna collect the feces in this little tube, or I'm gonna collect the mud and then we'll analyze it. Now they can go all the way up to the top of these trees where these like small mammals, these insects, these birds, they live their entire lives up there. Um, you don't, you no longer have to like climb up and interrupt whatever they're doing. You can just, you can just fly this drone up there and it's gonna collect the DNA from the swaying tree branch, and then they're gonna be able to use it. To create these, like, maps. And that's so, like a teeny tiny little drone. It's so cute. Well, first, I, I want to I wanna
0: make sure there's something in my brain that it, it will come out. So I'm going to try and organize it real quick. Okay. Um, so what we're talking about is we're talking about a drone that collects poop so that it can map out ecosystems, essentially. Yep. So a poop drone.
1: A poop drone. Poop drone... A hair drone, you know, or whatever you need it mm-hmm. to be drone. But what's really interesting is that the drone itself. What?
0: What? what, what, what hold on before we move on. Let me make my I point. I excited. If it's a poop drone. Yes. If it's a poop drone. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the potty potty podcast. <laughs> oh, <everyone. shit. laughs>
1: the potty podcast. Please, poop by drones. All
0: means. Well, Go ahead. I was excited
1: to tell you about how it collects the samples, but now we're back on the poop talk again, and. uh can you just imagine a tiny robot with a, with a, with a, a Q-tip? I mean, you know? I mean, I would watch <laughs> that movie. It, I would If there was animate them. it and shit. We would, we would make some money. Yeah. I mean, somebody get Pixar on the phone immediately. Um, okay. So the drone is like super futuristic. It kind of looks like a light fixture, Um, It has this like wood frame with this like plastic shield around it. And then there are strips of adhesive tape or uh, what they described in the article as humidified cotton mounted on its Mm. lower surface. So the cotton is what's going to be like doing all of the grabbing, the moist cotton.
0: Uh Uh,
1: So it's going to be guided to a favorable position. It hovers above the branch uh, and monitors movements like swaying or bouncing, synchronizing its approach makes contact, it pushes with enough pressure to cause loose eDNA material to transfer to the strips, but not so much that it pushes the branch out of the way. So it literally is just like, I'm going to touch it. I'm not going to hurt nothing. And then I'm going to leave. And then now we're going to be able to know the biodiversity of any particular area without getting our own stinky human footprints on it. No,
0: I love that. Um, I, and to be transparency here, when you first p- pitched this uh, article to me, I thought um, this drone was like helping, um, like flora like cross pollinate. I thought it was like, oh, hello blueberry bush, here's another one down here. The wind isn't working in your favor. Let me help you. You know.
1: I mean, but, I could definitely uh, this is way cooler. See it going in that direction, especially as we just like kind of continue to decimate the bee population. Um, and as they kind of perfect it, like right now, there's an issue where you sort of have to get in and out between rain, right? Because the rain is going to uh, yes, fuck up your samples makes- and, you know, wash anything away that might be there. But uh, mm-hmm. as soon as they kind of get around these sort of loopholes, um, I'm sure I'm, they're totally going to be able to use it to pollinate.
0: Well, let's go back for a second. Let's think about the rainforest that you brought up. Mm-hmm and how dense that um, ecosystem is, right? I imagine, maybe not so dense or uh, a mystery as the ocean is, but you can't tell me that there aren't multiple, and I mean probably a significant amount, of insect and even small rodent species, insect species, that we don't witness with our eyes and with our ears Mm -hmm. and with our current research, that something like this drone would help us not only discover But also with that knowledge, like empower us to help keep them here to avoid extinction.
1: Exactly. Essentially. Yeah. We're mapping biodiversity and therefore more than likely discovering things we haven't seen before. Uh, And imagine, especially if we're talking about the Amazon, a lot of uh, natural sort of cures for all kinds of illness come from places like that. So if you can imagine the tallest, thickest trees that we haven't been able to get anywhere near, you go up to the very top of it and you collect these samples, you're going to be able to find all kinds of things that could revolutionize revolutionize healthcare. It could change the way that we think about the way that animals evolve or the way that animals behave. There's all kinds of things that it's going to open the door for, and we don't have to put people in danger of getting hurt, or you know, in in danger of like actually destroying these ecosystems now, which is a small step, uh, but also kind of a big step.
0: But also no step at
1: all, which is the freaking point. Yeah, the lack no of footprint steps. left. And if there aren't people out there who are you know eating and peeing and also pooping, then that's an even smaller footprint. And now we've tied it back to the potty podcast. Science is so fucking cool. Yeah. And also, there were so many fossils discovered. I just... I know. Listen, there's so many more podcast episodes that we can do. There's cover. so many fossils. We can talk about fossils next time. <sighs> Fine. So what did we learn today? Um,
0: I learned that everything that I remember isn't necessarily at all what happened, and... Looming too far in the past can really sort of mess you up with seeing and experiencing what's in your present and certainly how your future becomes.
1: What did you learn? I learned that I was probably much gayer than I anticipated. Um, <laughs> and that animals go high up in trees. Yeah. And we haven't been able to see them before.
0: And I just want like a little Wally to like roll around the rainforest floor and collect the cure for cancer. Like, I would really love that to be the end game. If you
1: love Wally, let me tell you what else you're going to love. The Opportunity Rover. (laughs) There is a documentary about it on uh, Amazon Prime. It's called Opie, O-P-P-Y. And I haven't watched it yet because I know it's just, it's going to be so good. Like, it's one of those things I'm, like, saving for when I have, like, snacks and I can, like, snuggle in with the puppies and, like, watch it. But good lord. It, this is the one that sung to itself on its birthday. Oh, no.
0: Oh, I
1: knew it. And then knew towards it would be tear the tear end tear. of its life cycle, it said the famous line, which my phone used to say every time I plugged it in, which was, my battery is low and it's getting dark. <laughs> So if you love Wally, I would definitely watch that documentary, and educate yourself on the Opportunity Rover, or stay tuned because Lord knows eventually I'll start talking about NASA. You better, you better. I mean, you know me, dinosaurs and NASA. That's like it's like right in my wheelhouse.
0: I like how we're very naturally and so authentically presenting science. In a fun and approachable manner, and then also, I gotta come in with the feelings. You know, I gotta come in with the feelings.
1: If if and, uh, if it was gonna be one of us, and like, I'm mm. not surprised that mm. it was you. Whereas I'm like, no feelings, only science. <laughs> mm. Only
0: science. Only facts And I'm like Feelings aren't no, facts, facts No, facts, facts, Then it's therapy Yeah Yeah, facts
1: facts, 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 facts And I'm just like Don't make me feel things And then I'm just like Let me tell you about science And then if you get too much into it Then I'm like Let's talk more about dinosaurs Because um, What's your favorite dinosaur uh, And the correct answer I don't care actually What you're going to say The correct answer is the guanodon And then if we really get into it Then I can tell you all about The spino tooth That I have In my home And thanks to you I also now have fossils On my person Somebody was talking like about her. trilobites earlier today, and I was like, T needs to hear this. A person in real life were you, like, sit down, please. No, I was watching a YouTube video. They were, um, it was a paleontologist who was watching mm-hmm. people play ARC and then talking about how correct or incorrect the dinosaurs are.
0: Oh, God, I would. See, that's what I need the popcorn and the snuggling of. I would watch that shit with glee.
1: It was, like, a very short video, but I will send it to you because he was talking about Trilobites. I love that. Okay. I appreciate that. So next time. Thank you. Dinosaurs, maybe.
0: Uh, Dinosaurs, for sure. Um, And I'll figure out some way to make us fucking, like, really ponder our.